This is Ireland's 100 to 102 Today FM. After a quiet week, the election has taken a turn and everyone is now thinking about the thin blue line. Good evening, it's Gavin Riley here in the Today FM studios in Dublin with your daily wrap-up of what's been happening on the election trail. This is Today FM's Election Daily. It's day seven of the campaign and it's been a day largely overshadowed by recent events in Dublin. Yesterday we explained how a gangland shooting at the Regency Hotel last Friday had had a knock-on effect on the election. That effect grew altogether more grim last night. The scene of Poplar Row was sealed off this evening with a heavy guard or presence. The man in his 50s was killed in what would appear to be the second incident of serious gangland crime in just a matter of days. There's some speculation that this attack is linked to the shooting at the Regency Hotel. Justice Minister Frances Fitzgerald has condemned the killing this evening. She said it seems that some gangs are intent on waging a feud where human life counts for nothing. Minister Fitzgerald also said that Gardaí will take all available steps to stop the bloodshed. Sinn Féin leader Gerry Adams has also reacted to the attack, saying that those behind this latest shooting and those behind the dreadful attack last Friday at the Regency Hotel must be apprehended and taken off the streets. From North Strand in Dublin city centre, I'm Sean Defoe. Now yesterday I told you that the continuity IRA had claimed responsibility for that attack in the Regency last Friday. Last night's revenge shooting made it clear that instead this is a bitter gangland feud which is poised to get all the more vicious. The deceased last night is Eddie Hutch, the brother of the notorious gangland criminal Jerry the Monk Hutch. And his death has meant that day seven on the campaign trail has become all about crime and punishment, about Fine Gael's handling of the justice portfolio and about how others, particularly Sinn Féin, would treat it differently. It's also meant that it's been a fairly quiet day on the trail. But before I get into the crime issue, I will tell you quickly about Sinn Féin's election manifesto, which is published this morning. It promises to create a quarter of a million new jobs over the next five years, including 20,000 in the public service. Sinn Féin is alone among the larger parties in not wanting to take most work out of the universal social charge. In fact, only those below 19,000 would be taken out. Pierce Doherty says the relief would come instead in other ways. It is important that underpinning this job creation strategy that we have a fair and progressive tax system that benefits all workers. We will abolish the property tax, benefiting 1.8 million homeowners, on average benefiting €244 Euro each. We will scrap water charges that saves a two-adult family €260 per annum. We will remove workers earning €19,572 and below from the USC net, which will benefit 277,000 low-paid workers. But among the pledges in the manifesto is one to repeal the Offences Against the State Act, which would mean abolishing the Special Criminal Court. And that brings us back to the issue of crime and punishment. Now, plenty of others today, including Jan O'Sullivan from Labour, have been lining up all day to defend that court. Now, we know in Limerick that that court has been a key factor in terms of getting gangland bosses out of our communities and making people feel safer. And we need that court to continue. And the failure of Sinn Féin to in any way uh, endorse that court and the suggestion, for example, that members of juries might actually go on witness protection programmes, I think shows how out of touch Sinn Féin are. Gerry Adams says that the party's position on that is long-standing and consistent, but he says it's not an issue that comes up on doorsteps. Mary Lou MacDonald, in fact, is an outgoing TD in Dublin Central, where both of the recent gangland murders have taken place. If you were to go door to door, I'm not sure that people would have a lengthy discussion with you on the special criminal court. They would say this to you, find them. 
enable Angarda Shiokana to find them, enable Angarda Shiokana to prevent such incidents as this, keep our community safe, and then through the courts, ensure that these people face justice. When put under a little bit more scrutiny at the press conference, Gerry Adams didn't have a huge amount to say about what the Offences Against the State Act would be replaced with. The only explanation we were given is that juries could be protected by being hidden behind screens or by watching trials on video link so that they wouldn't have to be seen in the courtroom or be known to the accused. But that doesn't take into account the other roles that the Offences Against the State Act has. The Offences Against the State Act is, among other things, the law which lists unlawful organisations including IRA, including the IRA, ISIS and Al-Qaeda. And the failure to tease out those implications may mean that this issue will be revived in the coming days. But there was one other point that Sinn Féin had to make about the current government's handling of crime and justice. We all know Garda numbers have fallen in recent years and many Garda stations have been closed. But Jerry Adams had one point to make about how the remaining Gardaí are being used. I noticed in a, a tweet from somebody about 30 guards in some part of this city uh, overseeing the installment of water meters yesterday. Now, is that proper use of Ingarda Shikon when they could have been used upholding public order of the kind which has robbed families of loved ones? That pointed attention back to Fine Gael, the self-styled party of law and order, which has held the justice brief for the last five years. Garda Commissioner Noreen O'Sullivan had said in the aftermath of last Friday's shooting that there was no shortage of Garda resources, but this evening she had mitigated those comments ever so slightly. There is no doubt that over the last number of years we took a significant reduction in resources, both personnel and human resources. And the age profile of the organisation is such that we have people who are retiring. However, we also have people coming on stream. And I'm delighted that we have recruitment has commenced again. Um, I'm also very, very happy that there is a commitment to ongoing continuous recruitment because policing is something that needs a constant flow of personnel going through. Uh, that knowledge that is there with the very senior and very experienced people needs to be transferred to people who are coming on stream. And we need to be able to rebuild that capability and that capacity again. As I say, I wish it could happen overnight. It can't. It's going to take time. The Garda Commissioner was speaking after a meeting with the Justice Minister Francis Fitzgerald, who in turn was acting with a clear message from Enda Kenny. The government will respond here in terms of whatever the Commissioner needs to do the job with the Garda will be given and will be funded uh, by government to see that they, that they are en- enabled and entitled um, and operationally Uh, sufficient to do the job that they must do. We want to be very clear on that. So I understand that uh, following today's meeting between the Garda Commissioner and the Minister for Justice, that the Minister for Justice has confirmed that to the Commissioner. I expect that there will be a statement from uh, from the Commissioner and the Garda in respect of the operational decisions they make uh, and the issues and the facilities that she needs to equip the emergency response unit and a special armed unit in Dublin uh, to deal with this particularly latest escalation of uh, gangland crime. Today, €5 million has also been devoted to increasing the Garda overtime budget to help cope with the increased gangland threat. Fianna Fáil today has been asking why that money wasn't made available earlier if it was available. And as night falls in Ireland again, many will wait nervously tonight to see if this gangland feud takes another turn that could perhaps cast another shadow over the election. 100 to 102 Today FM Now for a slightly longer slot I'd planned to bring you yesterday but which was overshadowed in the wake of Friday's gun attack. It is about, yes, I'm sorry, it's about the fiscal space. 
but I think this is important even if it is a bit dull or even if it sounds a little bit dull because everyone now agrees that while the financial collapse was partly caused by over-exuberant bank lending, it was also partly because the political parties were all egging each other on. That when Fianna Fáil were promising tax cuts back in 2007, all the other major parties were doing exactly the same thing and they ultimately ended up outbidding each other so much that no government was able to keep up with the promises and that's part of the reason why we got to where we are. And because nobody had any sense back in the day of how much election promises might actually cost, there wasn't any scrutiny of whether those promises, or in fact the promises of any party at all, could ever really be delivered. And the debate about fiscal space changes all of this. Now, Ireland might be politically immature, I suppose you could call it, in a lot of ways, but basing all of our election promises on the ability to pay for them is surely something that ought to be welcomed, because there is no point in having manifestos packed full of promises if there is simply no way to pay for them. And that's what the debate about fiscal space is all about. It is about whether there is any possibility of being able to pay for the promises that different parties are making. So, first of all, again, a quick background. What is fiscal space? Well, basically, it's the amount of spare money that the government will have to spend over the next five years. Now, right now, the state is running a deficit. That means that it's spending more money every year than it actually has. It has to make up the difference by borrowing, but under EU rules, we're meant to bridge that gap by 2018, and we are closing it all the time. In fact, we may even possibly have done so by next year. But once we've done that, assuming the economy continues to grow will then be running a surplus every year. That's where the state gets more money in than it actually spends. And by and large, this is pretty much what fiscal space is. It's that extra money, that surplus, extra resources that the state can afford to spend while still meeting its targets and closing the deficit. Now, that money can go towards either tax cuts, so it can help to fund a a removal of USC, if that's what parties want to do, or it can be used to increase spending on public services. For example, using it to hire more nurses, more guardy, more teachers, that kind of thing. Now, at least everybody is agreed on exactly how you define fiscal space or what it is. It's how they calculate it that they all fall out. So let's start from the beginning. Now, the last budget included a table from the Department of Finance, which said that the fiscal space over the next five years was going to be 12.7 billion euro. Here to illustrate is an embarrassing audio cue of 12.7 billion. 12.7 billion. But not all of that is available to the next government to spend. For starters, the state will have to increase spending by almost $2 simply to keep up with Ireland's population, which is getting slightly bigger and slightly older all the time. If you have a bigger population, then you have to hire more teachers because there are more people in schools. You have to pay more people to run nursing homes because there are more older citizens. All that sort of thing. It requires more money to keep up. And on top of that, the current government has already outlined some other commitments as well. There will be extra spending under a capital programme announced a few months ago that involves building new public transport roads, hospitals, all that kind of thing. And there's also the Lansdowne Road pay deal, which will involve the reversal of some pay cuts for public servants. And all of that means, and everyone agrees on this, that the 12.7 billion then actually becomes 8.6 billion. 8.6 billion... And that's where the debate then emerges about whether you're allowed to throw in another couple of elements. I mentioned a minute ago that by 2018 we're meant to bridge the gap between spending and income. That's what's known as a balanced budget. Now, you'd think a balanced budget would mean the two sides are pretty much equal. But in fact, right now we're in talks with the European Commission about whether we'll still be allowed to run a small deficit every year and still consider ourselves to have a balanced budget. Now, Finnegan and Labour says that over the course of five years, if we get that permission, and they think we will, it'll free up another one and a half billion in fiscal space. And that brings us from 8.6 
up to 10.1. Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil, by the way, aren't counting that in yet because it's going to be April before we know for sure whether the European Commission will give us that extra bit of wriggle room. So that's how we get to 10.1 and this is where things get a little bit more complicated. Here's Michael Noonan speaking at the Fine Gael Ardesh in City West in Dublin two weekends ago. Now pay close attention to the figures and the words that he uses. Our expenditure rule ensures that our commitments are sustainable by capping the growth of budgetary commitments at below the long-term growth of the economy. The rule will limit new budgetary commitments uh, to 12 uh, billion uh, euros over the five years from 2017 to 2021. New budgetary measures of 12 billion euro. Now, that speech was carried on live TV and it was a Saturday afternoon, so there may not have been too many people paying close attention. But anyone who was watching and listening to what he said would have thought that meant 12 billion euro of new stuff. In other words, 12 billion of fiscal space. But how did we get from 10.1 to 12? Michael Noonan never explained it out loud, but Sinn Féin had one theory. Whenever the Department of Finance explains the fiscal space, it also points out that 2 billion euro is being lost to what's called indexation. Now, indexation is where state welfare payments, like for example the dole, are increased ever so slightly over time to allow for the fact that money gradually gets less valuable. So, for example, €100 now buys you much less than €100 did 10 years ago. So if you were getting €100 a week in a certain welfare payment, usually the government would increase that every so often to reflect the fact that €100 now buys you less stuff than it did before. So if welfare payments or income tax bans were not indexed, that could create another 2 billion of fiscal space. Now it would seem that Fine Gael added 2 billion to its 10.1, 10.1 billion. and therefore suggested that the fiscal space was 12.1 billion. 12.1 billion. But Sinn Féin smelled a rat. It got onto the Department of Finance, which confirmed that in fact this 2 billion was already included in the original 8.6, so you can't just add it on again, it's already there. The Department of Finance says it's up to politicians to decide if they want to increase welfare rates, not civil servants. So if a politician wants to increase the dole to allow for the fact that money gets less valuable, that has to come out of the fiscal space. So suddenly 12.1 billion disappears and goes back down to 10.1. Now Michael Noonan still hasn't exactly said what he was referring to when he mentioned that 12 billion and over the weekend he was asked about his comments at the Fine Gael Ardesh. Why did you describe it as new budgetary commitments, Minister? Well, I, I don't know what the full phrase was. I don't new remember. budgetary commitments. I don't remember the phrase, but I mean, if I said it's new budgetary commitments, it means that in each individual budget it has to be committed because that's the way the system works. The government decides on an annual basis what will be spent and the budget is announced in the doll. So even though the two billion was committed to Lansdowne Road and to the capital programme, in legal terms, it has to be committed in each budget. And he got a little bit defensive when he was asked about the mistake that Sinn Féin claimed to have pointed out. They now have an obligation to put the evidence forward because assertions that I'm wrong cut noise. Prove it. Prove it. And any of the media who are still asserting that the figures are incorrect, put the evidence under it. Because there is no evidence produced yet, it's just a series of assertions. So that's where we are. Now I know that can be a bit difficult to digest and I hope the sound cues helped to make it a little bit less boring. But it is important. Because if Ireland's going to learn anything from its recent history, it needs to get to grips with the limited amount of money that we're going to have in the coming years. 
But by the way, this is all to an extent putting the cart before the horse because it all depends on the economy continuing to grow at a reasonable pace. If the economy was to grind to a halt tomorrow, there would be no surplus. There would be no fiscal space for the next government to spend. But if the economy does grow, and we all hope it does, it is important to make sure politicians are making promises that they can afford to keep afterwards. 100 to 102 Today FM. Now, as regular listeners will know, Today FM's Talking Taxi is hitting the road throughout the election campaign to hear from voters nationwide about what they want in the general election. Today, my colleague Helen Vaughan took her chauffeur's hat up to Drogheda. Hi, welcome to the taxi. <laughs> it's a lovely taxi, actually. <laughs> yellow taxi. Yeah, yellow taxi, yeah. I'm only in here, please, Bob. Well, it's a little bit warmer than outside. Yeah. Today FM's Talking Taxi has spent this morning canvassing the views of voters in Drogheda in County Louds. Concerns around waiting times and cutbacks at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital have emerged as some of the key election issues. The nurse tried to make you feel comfortable. There is nothing wrong with that, but the hospital is just... Um, Crap, that's that's the thing. It's getting to see a doctor you're waiting on, and you're left, you could be up to hours waiting on that, you know. And I don't think the staff can do anything about the waiting or that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't blame the staff. Anthony Lynch was left waiting on a trolley at its A&E department for nine hours last week with chest pains after previously suffering a heart attack. I was shocked because I, I didn't expect to spend so long sitting on a chair. I thought if you went in with chest pains, you would be seeing fairly quick. It's not the staff. I'm not giving out about the staff of the Lords. I think they're marvellous. It's the system that the government is creating, that it's a toad walled country we are living in as far as health is concerned. Just pop in. Uh, how you doing? This is Q-Baller driver. Hiya. What are the local issues that matter to you around here? Jobs. The state of the town. But mostly jobs. I think Dundalk, it's some new name that they're putting on. Kind of a gateway. Andrada's missed out. The biggest town in Ireland and has missed out on it. Like everything's gone to Dundalk now. LMFM, it's never his. This is Today FM. Today FM, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also a fair share of undecided voters in Drogheda. I have absolutely no interest whatsoever. Why not? I'm I'm just not. I'm disillusioned, completely disillusioned. I haven't a clue. I'm so disillusioned. I don't think people know what they're doing. What they're saying or anything like that. Out. I don't think they even care. That's okay. No problem. Thanks for coming in this morning. I'm brand new. <laughs> Get that off me, chat. Helen Vaughan, Today FM News in Drogheda, in County Lake. Now, given the serious issues under discussion elsewhere today, there isn't much by way of fun gossip to wrap things up. But there is one significant development today. We do now have details of the first TV debate of the campaign. The leaders of the four major parties will appear on TV3 this Thursday night at 9 o'clock in a 90-minute debate chaired by Pat Kenny and Colette Fitzpatrick. And given how the election so far has been mostly a rehash of policies we've known for the last 18 months, perhaps it might take that debate to change the dynamic just a little bit. Now, we'll bring you more about that debate in the podcasts on Thursday and Friday of this week. In the meantime, if you have anything you want to share with me for the podcast or anything else, you can email me at greilly at todayfm.com or you can send me a DM on Twitter. My username is at gavreilly. That is our lot for today. We'll leave you to enjoy what's left of your pancakes. I'm Gavin Riley. I'll see you tomorrow for another edition of Today FM's Election Day. Hundred to one hundred two Today FM.